0: Man. Ooh, yeah.
1: Welcome to D Next, the Innovation and Entrepreneurs Podcast, and I'm your host, Paul Cuides. On this episode, we speak to the one and only Mr. Harry Stinson, inventor, provocateur real estate mogul, business leader, and dreamer. And we're recording. Okay, if you wouldn't mind, state your full name for the record and tell us a little bit about what you do.
0: Well, my name is Harry Stinson, and I'm, uh, well, I guess I'm a developer, but <laughs> done a lot of things over the years. Uh, started in the restaurant business, uh, I guess what I've done consistently over the years is what I'd call hospitality real estate.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about where we are right now and how did we get here, this place?
0: Well, where we are right now is in just the end of the pandemic. <laughs> we're physically in Hamilton. Um, most of my life was spent in Toronto. Uh, born and raised in Toronto. Um, it's sort of, I guess, my emotional home as it were still. Uh, it's the big city ambiance. Um, Hamilton I'm, I'm here because of the buildings and that's what I have actually done most of my life is uh, buildings, uh, creating buildings, designing buildings um, and operating the buildings. I mean I, I don't see them as a commodity like the frankly like the condominium market has become it's just sort of you know pork bellies people buy and sell condos and they like, automatic guaranteed profits like Bitcoin maybe perhaps. Um, I see buildings as, as uh, basically, as, as a landmark, as an icon. Um, let me rephrase that. Um, I guess people like to think. Let me stop there. There's a, there's a word I'm struggling for. Would you, would you? People leave their leg- the legacy. Good. I see buildings as a bit of a legacy. Um, they can be a personal legacy, of course, but they're, they're also, um, they become symbols. You know, a symbol like the Eiffel Tower becomes Paris, uh, CN Towers become Toronto, whether or not that's a good thing, but, you know, it is a symbol. You know it's Toronto when you see that building. You know what the Disneyland Castle represents. It's, it's Disney. Uh, you know what Buckingham Palace is, They're the, the, the pyramids. You know, buildings actually are symbolic, and, and they last, you know, hopefully thousands of years. Maybe not modern buildings, but uh, they last a long time. People look at them, they admire them, they're, they're cross culture, they're cross times, uh, and they're living, breathing things. So I, when I get involved in the building, um, it's not only the design concept at the beginning, but it's how they operate uh, after all. Um, One King West is a classic example of that. That, that was a building, is a building that is uh, apparently or was originally deemed structurally impossible. It's 29 feet wide, 51 stories tall. It's right at the corner of King and Young in downtown Toronto, so the most difficult place to build because there's no room to build or do anything. Um, It was designed as a condominium hotel and it's been enormously successful as a mixed-use project and it I think the most enjoyable fulfilling part of that project was not, you know, closing the deal, selling the condos, and making an upside on it, other story completely, it was the operation thereafter. It was the life that continues to be there in that building. It's a condominium hotel, but I think it's, um, it's symbolic of the building that if I were to go into the lobby today, I will see staff members that were there 20 years ago. You know, and you don't see that. Anywhere these days, people actually become part of a community. Owners who just love to be part of it. You know, again, condos, people buy condos, they sell, them. they can't even remember what the unit number is, what project, oh I buy this product. Condo in Toronto, which one? Hmm, uh, it was the tall, gosh, uh, yeah, what was the name of that thing? Can't remember it. If they're part of One King West, they remember it. If they bought a suite at the Candy Factory Lofts, they remember it. Not only because they've gone hugely up in value, but they're character buildings. You know, people are, unlike, again, most condos, if someone has a unit at the Stinson School, say, or at the candy factory, they love inviting their friends over because their friends look around and say, wow, this place is so cool. You know, that's fulfilling. It's a creative process.
1: How much of your personality or uniqueness do you think is embedded in these projects? Why why is symbolism and legacy important to
0: you? How much of my... (laughs) How much of my character's in the projects? Well, I guess a lot of people would say who know me closer, uh, it's a good thing it isn't too much embedded in the project because I'm like most passionate, cranky entrepreneurs. Um, I'm pretty intense. But you can see that in the building too because they go beyond the cookie cutter designs. Um, Yeah, it's fulfilling to see it done in the same way that it's actually fulfilling to to clean one's house. You can see something done. Finishing that Excel spreadsheet, maybe to some people it's pretty exciting. Wow, look at the numbers. But it's not, it means nothing. Plus the file's usually gone by accident in a minute. But when you do a building and you've created something, it's there. It's like bricklayers would take their kids past a, you know, a subdivision or a building they were involved in and say, I built that. And it means something to them. They created something that will outlast them. Um, I like I like creating the buildings. They they are lasting things.
1: Okay, tell me about Buffalo. Do you remember first laying your eyes on the hotel in Buffalo, and what were you thinking?
0: Well, how I got involved in Buffalo was sort of indirect. Uh, it started with a building called Buffalo Central Terminal, uh, which is a, an abandoned train station in Buffalo, just outside the core, uh, and it's a magnificent structure. I was working on at the time another historic building in Niagara Falls, and the called the Hotel Niagara, and the architect said, you know, the, if, if you really like these old buildings, you'll love this one. So they arranged for me to go into this building, and this was like February, you know, cold, and this building is frozen, there's no heat or anything in there. So we get, you know, we open this little side door, go into this massive train station that is essentially a replica of uh, Grand Central New York State, in New York City. Same architects, same home, train company at the time, and it was breathtaking, and I just thought, "Oh, I got to work on this building." Um, but the problem was that it was a building that is a public landmark. It is uh, owned by a nonprofit group, um, and here I am, this guy from out of town, from Toronto, uh, no credibility in that city, um, no political connections or anything. Um, hadn't donated to any politicians at the time, um, or today, today, and so I. You know, I didn't have the credibility, so I thought, you know, if I can do another project here that is not, uh, you know, got the strings attached of being a, a public entity, so there's no, there's no approval process. If we can acquire it and revitalize it, something of that scale, that would be credibility. And so we ran across this hotel in Buffalo called the, the Adams Park, enormous building. You know, it's well over half a million square feet, seven acres of land. Right dead center downtown across from City Hall, great location, and frankly it was a white elephant. It's a brutalist, relatively ugly building as it was at the time, but it was alive and operating. Not to its original standard, it was originally the Buffalo Hilton, and it was a four star, it was the place in town for probably a decade. And then it, you know, it declined over time for various reasons I guess, Uh, but It was built way beyond its necessary scale. The rumor was it was intended to be a casino hotel, Um, did not get the casino, but it was this massive 500 room hotel with a whole convention center and extra land around it. It was a great real estate site. I thought, if I can breathe life into this thing and bring it around, that'll be my credibility ticket for Buffalo Central Terminal. That's how I got involved in it. And what I discovered as I got involved in it is why the building was built where it was and how large it was, it is the scale uh, of a casino. And so I got to thinking, because I have been involved in the entertainment business from, from childhood, um, that uh, this would be a great entertainment destination hotel.
1: Did you feel like you were taking a gamble? You, know, you talk about it being a casino. How
0: big of a risk was it to you to go there? Well, you know, the def- risk, is, um, risk is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> um, to me, turning on a computer is a risk, because I will screw it up just looking at a computer. Things happen to computers just because of my presence. That's a risk to me. Taking on a massive building and bringing it back to life is something I've done many, many times. It's not a risk to me. To someone who works on computers, say, huh, you want to fix up on a grown old building? Where do I start? I haven't got a clue where to do. We all have our niches. We all have our specialties. Some people are fantastic basketball players. Some people are programmers. Some people are artists. Some people are musicians. I have um, no, no skills that I can think of in those areas, um, but buildings I love. Buildings I understand. Engineering I understand. Design I understand. Marketing I understand. Entertainment I understand. Those fields. Are all encapsulated in the hotel. Okay.
1: Um, so, what do you think the revitalization, if I can call it that, of this hotel in Buffalo means to the city of Buffalo? Does it represent anything?
0: I think that the hotel will turn out to be Buffalo's, the word, icon, but it will be. It will be a magnet in the same way that. Um, the Grand Old Opry has been a, a, an icon. It, it's it's a magnet. I think that the hotel can become a magnet for people coming to Buffalo, and then seeing the other things in Buffalo. And we do a little tour um, for people at the hotel, or investors and friends and so on. Where I just do a little bus tour of Buffalo. And I drive them around for an hour and a half and show them all the things from the Tesla plant to the grand architecture to the you know the the strips like Elmwood Village which is very much like Bluer West and they come away with the same reaction all the time as, wow I had no idea this is actually a really fascinating city because all they think of in Buffalo is they you know they drive along the thruway and they go past the industrial district in the same way people drive past Hamilton and see the the downtown, the steel mills, they had no idea how much uh, just grandeur and character Buffalo has but we will bring them to the city and because our our main room is the size of a convention center we can put on those events and because we're independent and we're not a you know a big public institution with all the infrastructure we can spin on a diamond we can put on programming that will be quite eclectic whether it's a classical evening or a a famous person you know a night with so and so or it's a rock concert or you know or metal or whatever it is it might be a a boxing ring (laughs) it might be the Wrestling, it might be a gaming convention. Just constantly putting on interesting events that are pulling people into the city, which will then become business for all the other hotels and business for all the subsidiary restaurants and just people seeing the city itself. I think it's gonna be a huge coup for the city's economy.
1: Okay, I wanna ask you about how you see yourself. and I am gonna put out some, some words and you tell me you know, which one you like the best? What
0: I like or whether accurate. <laughs>
1: How do you see yourself, Uh, a developer, an inventor, a philosopher, opportunist?
0: Well, it depends on your perspective. Um, Clearly, I'm developing, so that's an easy one. That's an easy category. But I'm developing in the sense of of truly doing original things. Most development these days has become a commodity. Um, The entertainment side, I'm really looking forward to burnishing that element because I very much enjoy the you know, the events. Impresario is perhaps a word that comes to mind Uh, and maybe that applies to the real estate part too because when you're doing a building that stands out, that people remember and recognize, that's being an impresario. If you're a developer who has mass produced many many millions, hundreds of millions of square feet, you're a huge developer. Do people even know your name or any of the buildings? No. So I guess I get a a lot of the inspiration out of creating something that people say, wow, that is so cool. And they remember it. You look at a city like Toronto, which is probably one of the most sophisticated development markets in the world, with some of the best developers in the world, and really good high-quality buildings, I think. But they become a commodity. There's not many buildings in Toronto that people say, oh yeah, I know that building. Not many. But they know the Candy Factory, and they know one king West. Is it
1: fair to say that maybe you're more of an artist than an industrialist, more of a Picasso than a Henry Ford?
0: An artist. Well, you say that word artist, and you can just see the banker saying, Thank you, we'll call, no worries. But nice meeting you, uh, uh, Harry. Yes, that's, yes, uh, th- bye. That's a dangerous word. But there is, the creative part is, is something that, yes, I find that's uh, the core to me. It's the creative part.
1: Is there an entrepreneur out there who
0: you admire? I mean, you talk about Colonel Sanders. I see some reference of maybe P. T. Barnum. But who do you admire out there? Um, I would say, if there was one that encapsulated a lot of it, would be Disney. I mean, Walt Disney took entertainment and he turned it into real estate. And even the story—I studied people like that. And you know, he was incredibly frustrating to Disney when they did Disneyland that he did. He had to scrape together the money, his insurance policies, friends and relatives and TV shows, to build Disneyland. He could not acquire the land around it. So it became Disneyland in the middle of suburbia with all kinds of schlocky suppliers and hotels all around it. That drove him crazy. That's why Disney World, they acquired tens of thousands of acres. So Disney World is Disney World. So they could control the hotels, so they control the transportation, so they control the management of the whole area. It was a real estate play. McDonald's is a real estate play. If you control the real estate, you have enormous control over the quality of the product.
1: We didn't talk about rock and roll with regards to your plan in Buffalo, but do you see The hotel is sort of your Disney World,
0: in a way? I don't... The hotel isn't large enough to be a Disney World. It is large enough to be a grand old opera. It is large enough to be an Apollo Theater. It is large enough, but on a larger scale, because we have the rooms to be able to do anything from a starter cabaret style of a few hundred people to 500 to 1,000 to the 4,000-person room. We can build an entertainer. And we can always have a room that is the right size. So if the tickets take off because the guy goes viral with something on YouTube uh, by surprise, we can go from the 100 person room to the 4,000 person room. If for some reason, you know, they got (laughs) caught in some embarrassing thing and we didn't sell that many tickets, okay we put them downstairs and the room is still gonna be okay. You know, we can fit the room so that the dynamic, the energy is always there. Uh, And that gives us an enormous flexibility. Um, but in itself, it's not large enough. Um, so yes, I see the potential for others, but I don't just see it at that building. I see the potential for doing this with other buildings. So that people think of that, that destination as truly an experience in itself. I would like to do something in a warm climate. Not surprisingly, being Canadian, you know, whether it's Cuba or Florida, um, you know, a place where you know, in a way that you do with any brand, you know what you're going to get. And it's not that you know that it'll look like every other Hilton Garden Lobby, but you know the hospitality, you know the spirit, and you'll be welcomed there. And in a way, we may be able to take the real estate concept of a place you live uh, and have it so that you can actually, if you're renting a place in Toronto in a certain building that's managed by us, um, you're going to feel confident that if you move to Dallas, that, oh wow, I know these people. That's good. I feel comfortable with that. There's a certain style. And hotel chains like the Four Seasons have done that brilliantly. But it's on an overnight stay. You don't see that much in rental buildings. And rental is going to become more and more an acceptable, as it used to be, way of, of higher and superior living. It isn't just that, you know, slum landlord. A rental building that's well managed is totally different from a rental building, you know, managed by a... A hedge fund. (laughs) You know, they're just going to squeeze every nickel they can out of the thing and then sell it again. But, you know, when uh, rent controls came in in Ontario, Cadillac Fairview sold their whole portfolio because they didn't, they they managed to a certain quality and the tenants were happy with that quality. But if they're going to have a a third party bureaucracy saying, no, no, you can't do this, you can't do that, said, yeah, we just don't want to be known for that. It was a Big mistake on their part financially, but I can understand why they did that. They had their vision for how they wanted the building to be. And you know, I have my vision for how I would want the buildings to be. But once the building is stabilized, being the crazy entrepreneur, I'm probably best to be shunted aside, (laughs) you know, go do some other building, all right? Because you know, this one's stable now. You know, I I mentioned that one king, the stability. Um, It is very inspiring to me that uh, if I were to need something at One King West today, I could call Steve O'Brien, who's the general manager, and I put him in place as the general manager in 2004, just before we opened. Same general manager there, two decades later, a generation later, with a lot of the same stuff. That's stability. And that sort of of continuity and stability is something that uh, hopefully we can put into these different buildings. That's the vision.
1: We started this conversation talking about uh, the idea of legacy and buildings. Um, And we're going to end this conversation looking at your legacy. Is there one thing you think the world should know about Harry Stinson that maybe it doesn't or you hope it will?
0: This may seem silly, but probably the thing that would really make me sleep better at night is to be taken seriously from the beginning. And, and it's frustrating because in the tech world, it seems you take a shot at a few startups and if they don't work, okay, you've got experience and, you know, that's, that's a positive that you tried. In the real estate world, it's, oh, see, that didn't work out. Instead, the, the ridiculous thing is that most of the things I have launched have worked out. And it's been a financial nightmare getting there. So it would be nice to be able to say, you know, here's the vision and have people say, well, okay, let's, we're in. Because the public is in, the customers are in, the lenders are not. That's been the biggest frustration is, is, is the, the capital intensity. So at some point, we will reach that turning point of the hotel business, the entertainment business, which is an enormous cash flow business, and hopefully that will provide, you know, the basis to be able to roll this out.
1: Golden. as they said, no,